Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Well, today on the podcast, it's my great pleasure to have Police Chief Eric Scott with me from the Berea Police Force. Uh, welcome, Police Chief Scott. Hey, thank you, Stuart, for having me here. I'm excited to be here and uh, hopefully uh, uh, get everyone enthused about EV vehicles as we move into our uh, government spaces and more. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this is the second time you've been on the podcast, which is wonderful. Uh, I had a blast the first time. Uh, but for those that haven't uh, listened to the first episode, not to say that you shouldn't, uh, you should go back and listen. Can we, I guess, just get a little recap of... It's actually been a little bit more than a year that you did the um, did the unveiling, the official unveiling of the Teslas. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what kind of led up to that and that day? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we made the decision after I remember sitting uh, and watching the Super Bowl, uh, and I remember all of the commercials talking about EV vehicles. Um, and, and it kind of led to me starting to think like, you know, what does it look like in our space as, as a police department? How can we facilitate transitioning over to EV vehicles? Um, and, and what does that look like? And so I, I, I reached out to some of our agencies and some partners that we have out, you know, LAPD out on the West Coast and some places all over. And I just kind of started picking their brains. And here in the state of Kentucky, uh, where I'm at, it is it has been super challenging because no one had done it before. And so uh, it really that's kind of what led up to uh, us making a decision to move towards EV. Um, and at the time, with the vehicle shortages that we had due to supply chains from COVID, uh, it was making things very challenging. Uh, but yet, in the beginning of the COVID stages, uh, I found out that Tesla was able to still produce vehicles within, you know, two to five weeks. And they were shipping these vehicles at that time, you know, very fast. And so, uh, that's kind of why we made the decision to say, hey, if we're going to do it, we might as well start to look at that now, uh, because that's one thing I learned from out at LAPD, that their infrastructure was sound. They had uh, they were about five to seven years ahead of most people when it came to EV charging, um, and they had kind of a really uh, a good infrastructure throughout the state, and so it made it easier for them to transition. And here in Kentucky, we didn't have that, and that's ultimately what led to you and I kind of getting to know each other was uh, uh, the first step is looking at EV. The second step is, is how you're going to charge those. And that led to our partnership. Yeah. And uh, you, you were the first and still are the only uh, police force with uh, cruisers that are electric, which is uh, great. Um, I, I, I must say that uh, the other day, uh, New Albany, which is not far from here, uh, just added a uh, Mustang Mach-E uh, to their fleet. So... They called us up and we went out there to give them, uh, we did a site visit to to put in a charger or two there for that, which is wonderful. And it was really nice to be able to say that we, we helped you all out with the chargers. Um, so word is kind of spreading. I mean, I guess now that you, how many cars do you have, first of all, and, and which ones do you have? So they're all Model 3 uh, Teslas, 2021s. We have four vehicles. Um, we do have some on order right now, but obviously one's a cyber truck, and who knows when that'll show up. Um, and then I am working with Ford right now. We're looking to get uh, away from Tesla, not permanently, but we're looking to kind of venture out and look at other options because the, the only uh, – 
kind of issue we've had so far with the Model 3 Tesla, and I know we'll kind of get into some of the operational things later, but um, it's just size of the vehicle and, and some of the challenges there. Um, and traditionally, your your police manufacturers have been Ford, Dodge, uh, Chrysler, GM. And so those individuals, there's already like a, there's already blueprints and there's already uh, infrastructure set up for the vehicles uh, when it comes to equipment. And so those are some of the challenges with the, the, the Tesla was that there really was no police equipment manufacturers making products specifically for the Tesla. And so everything had to be kind of custom upfitted. And uh, we've been very blessed with LNW Outfitters here in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, that they have um, a, a very intelligent team that understands it. And they, they did their homework. I know they studied a lot just to simply put lights and sirens on it was a challenge because it's, you know, there's there's not your conventional setup. It's not your 12 volt. Let's just hook it to a battery and we're done. Everything in the car talks to, to everyone. So they had to really learn how to you know, just opening up a compartment, you know, to put wires in things that used to be hollow behind the door now has wiring because the car has wires running throughout the entire thing. And so um, working with them in, at Lawrenceburg, at LNW, as well as with you at uh, Evolve KY has been huge in us being able to push these out. But right now we have uh, four, we have two on order uh, with the F-150 Lightning and then the uh, Cybertruck. Um, well, let me correct that. We, the, the Lightning is not technically on order at this time. I'm working with uh, our local GM here, and uh, he's working to get us one. But that is the next vehicle that we're trying to pull in here, and we believe that one will show up probably before the Cybertruck just because of uh, Tesla's uh, recent announcement that they're probably not even going to push the Cybertruck this year. So, But we're excited about that. Okay, great. Now, um, I guess there's kind of two different metrics, if you will, um, that, you know, I'd, I'd really like to get into, uh, and I guess maybe stay a little bit away from the actual brands and just talk about electric vehicles, which, are, you know, I think this, you can kind of make the generalization. Um, as far as results, so you have a solid year worth of data. Um, I mean, I guess just two things, like physically, you know, I'm talking about money, you know, money savings, what kind of repairs, all those kinds of things. How did the electric vehicles, you know, the Teslas stack up to the rest of your fleet? Um, and then the other side of that is, I guess, the perceptions and, and the uh, willingness to make the switch. You know, the officers that, that were driving these vehicles, how hard or easy was that? And then the perceptions of uh, the community. Um, did they, you know, did they not like the idea at first? Did they warm up to it? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting you said that uh, uh, that lat latter part about the community. Um, but let me start first and foremost. The, the transition to them, uh, it was it was relatively easy for my guys. Um, I, I was very selective in who I chose to be the first guys to kind of um, and I'm from the South, and I say guys, I mean, you know, women and men. But, yeah, um, I get but it. When, but when we uh, decided to go that that route, you know, I picked some of our most um, techn technologically sound officers who understand it, some of our younger millennials uh, and or, you know, Gen Zers, the guys that are understanding all the social media. Uh, those individuals were, were awesome in taking on these projects, uh, documenting data, um, and, and, and keeping me appraised to the 
the functionality. Because though I have one as, as the police chief, you know, I arrive to work, I'm here, you know, probably seven, eight hours a day without leaving most of the time. And so it's a little different, you know, uh, data driven for me than it is for those guys who are out there on the road for, you know, eight, eight to 10 hours a day uh, actually operating in the vehicles. And so, um, you know, initially the, the rollout was smooth. Uh, everything went great. The guys loved them. We kind of ran into some issues with the charging initially. Like uh, we were doing 10-hour shifts at first. Um, and we learned 10-hour shifts, we have an overlap. Uh, between every shift, we had an overlap. And that overlap really helped us um, with getting the vehicles charged. So, you know, ensuring they were good to go. Uh, the challenge came when, uh, due to covid academy got shut down and so we went about a year or so without being able to get a, a new recruit through the academy and those challenges led to us having to move to eight-hour shifts because we were able to do more with less we were able to have guys here longer throughout the day um, and these officers were able to work uh, but we lost our overlap because they're working eight-hour shifts now um, and you know when one shift's coming in the other shift is going out and that was something we didn't we didn't really plan for was losing that two to three hours a day of overlap for those that are in the Teslas or, or the EVs to essentially charge those vehicles. And so we had to work out some kinks where it was like, you know, before you come home or go home or and or here's a stipend that we'll give you guys if you do have to charge them at home. Um, and, and we've been very uh, lucky with that, that there's been very few charging at home. Um, and, and one of our most active officers we put in one of the Teslas because we wanted to get real data. Um, and then we put a supervisor in one as well. So we're trying to look at, you know, are these going to be uh, geared more towards, you know, someone like myself as administrator, uh, as a regular fleet uh, vehicle for an administrator? Or is this something that we can actually truly push to be a frontline cruiser with a level two charger? Because uh, currently that's what we have through you all, which are our level twos. And they've been great. Uh, we've had no issues with our level two charging. Um, but as you know, uh, supercharging is always best if you have that, but it's also not as good for the vehicle to always supercharge. And so, you know, we're trying to find that thin line between, hey, you know, when we need a full charge, how do we get there the quickest to get there? But also we have to plan just like we did before with a gasoline vehicle. You know, our guys have to start shifts with at least a half a tank. They can't or no more than I'm sorry, three fourths a tank. They can't start a shift with less than a half when they go home. So there are specific rules that we have when it comes to charging or to, to gas. So we were like, these have to be the same for charging as well. Like we can't have a guy show up with 10 percent, um, you know, battery and expect to charge the first three, four hours of shift to kind of get through calls. So um, the rollout was smooth. We really, uh, there were some challenges with the charging, but um, it went great. Um, pers perspective of our officer standpoint within the department, they loved it. It was uh, cool, unique, and those guys, they love gadgets and toys. And in our world, technology has taken over. I mean, in a little bit, we're going to have, you know, robots chasing down criminals, and we're no longer going to have to do it because, you know, from tasers to body cameras to certain wraps, there's, you know, there's the technology is really moving in our world. And it's good, though, because, you know, it's better tools for us to, to, to use less force when we're dealing with the public. Um, and it makes our job easier so that there's less opportunities for mistakes, you know. Um, and we're documenting everything with our cameras that record pretty much 24 hours a day while an officer is on shift, which we really love that system. So uh, the officers in-house, everything was great. So the big challenge came was the community. Um, 
that Berea, Kentucky, uh, the community is is they're an older community. There's there's a, most of our young people after after high school graduation they head off to college, and a lot of them don't return. Um, I don't know the specific stat, but when I first got here to Berea, I've been here since 2019. I heard a number like 70 to 75 percent or so of our high school graduates never return to Berea. They go on to bigger cities where their universities are, and they just never come back. Uh, which I would say is probably accurate in a lot of towns, but not maybe that high. So. The, the older generation here, especially going through 2020 when we launched them, uh, just pre, like right before COVID, um, the challenges uh, were the, per, the per, perception that the vehicles were luxury. And I'm not talking like they thought these were like Maseratis or like Lamborghinis because there are 100,000 plus uh, in cost Teslas. And so a lot of people didn't understand that there was a Model 3 that they had brought down to the $40,000 range and that, you know, our current vehicles are somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 now for your Tahoes, Explorers, Chargers, things of that nature. So for me, it was kind of like a, hey, this makes sense. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a lot more money. Let's, let's give this a shot. Let's go ahead and try this. And if it doesn't work, we can resell these vehicles as we do, surplus them out, and we'll probably get 90% back on our return because I also followed, you know, uh, how how Tesla was doing on the resales as well. So we made the decision. It was challenging at first. There was a lot of PR events that we had to do to kind of calm the community because it's taxpayer dollars and we have to be responsible with that. And we understand that uh, comes with a, a, a big responsibility. And so there were challenges there. Um, and it, just to be honest, it was it was made political, too, um, which was challenging. It was it was very tough because, you know, when President Biden took over, he was really pushing EV vehicles. All government fleets are going to go EV. And he still is pushing clean energy. So a lot of our community, um, their conservative base, uh, Republican base. So it was a lot of them didn't even want to care to maybe understand the EV stuff. Um, and those were some of the challenges ahead. But I think that, you know, us working with the council and some of our stakeholders in the community, uh, we've been able to kind of turn that. So I, I guess one of the things that uh, obviously taxpayers are going to be concerned with um, is the the bottom line. Like, uh, you know, what is the, what is it costing to run, you know, what does it cost to run these electric vehicles compared to the traditional, you know, internal combustion engine vehicles? And, uh, like, you know, you've had a solid year to, to look at all of this. What does it look like? So uh, that's been a huge blessing for us because if you look at uh, the city of Berea owns their utilities. And so that was great because we're essentially just paying ourselves back when it came to charging the vehicles. Um, we're averaging, you know, right at $300 or so a month per vehicle for uh, consumable oil and for a combustion engine to, to put fuel on it. Um, the Teslas were averaging somewhere around $45 a month for EV charging, which was great. There was probably an additional $40 or so, uh, I think it was $48 when we did the math, that we had the officers actually using at their house in kilowatts. So it was, it was less than $100 uh, for a month of charging and running these things uh, for 40 hours a week. Not the entire time, obviously, but um, to charge them to keep them operational during that time uh, versus if you look at our combustible engines, that, those gas fees are expensive. Um, also, with the increases in fuel this year, it was a 
better saving for us uh, in total in total for the entire year we saved eight thousand dollars per vehicle for the three that we had on patrol uh, that total was twenty four thousand total in savings for those three vehicles um, and it was a huge it was a huge savings because of the increases in fuel so we did our budget last year at two dollars and eighty cents a gallon um, and we thought we were you know high end budgeting you know for the entire department well uh, our our budget line item is around $100,000 or so, and we would have gone over if not for those three vehicles that at that time were on patrol. Um, and so that's been a huge uh, savings for us as well. And to be honest with you, I didn't even count my Tesla in those numbers because I don't operate mine in a normal setting. Mine literally pulls up here, parks, and it sits all day. You know, it's just drive time back and forth to work. Um, but from a patrol standpoint, we've saved, you know, right at twenty three, twenty four thousand dollars for those three vehicles. And that's including maintenance as well. Uh, things that we, you know, we traditionally would be using in maintenance um, on a on a, you know, one year vehicle. Those costs were not there anymore. The only thing we've had to do to the Tesla so far is windshield washer fluid. So um, uh, it's been great on, on that side of things. And we're super hopeful that. As we continue down the road, they're just the, the savings increase uh, because, as you're aware of, we've, we've built our infrastructure up to hopefully be able to accommodate, you know, eight, ten or so of these charging, you know, within the city. And we hope to also bridge out just from the police department to start merging into other agencies as well within the city. You know, our utilities department, uh, some of their vehicles, some of our, you know, coach department, individuals that ride around um, and do metering or certain things. Uh, we're hoping to get EV in those spaces as well. So uh, we've done a really good job with our savings um, on those vehicles, and uh, we're hoping to see more year two uh, as we continue to push forward. I mean, $24,000 in one year of savings is huge. It is. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I imagine that the other departments, that that is uh, very enticing. It is. For them to see that. That's one year. I mean... You then then you you think you know three four five years out you think about adding vehicles as you know you decommission other ones mm -hmm. and uh, that money that savings is is a boon for the police department mm -hmm. and and for and for the city so well let's just say the, the the savings were more than we anticipated to be honest um, and it was and it was due to our brakes. Uh, we have high performance like racing brakes on our on our police vehicles that we run. Um, uh, the, and throughout a course of one year, we'll put two thousand dollars of brakes on one vehicle uh, on our cruisers. The regenerative braking of the Tesla completely dissolved that cost for us, and that's something that we were not. Uh, expecting, to be honest with you. Um, I hear Tesla and other EV companies tout the maintenance is where the savings are, right? We were expecting, you know, maybe uh, uh, down the road, five, six years savings when it came to maintenance, because obviously there's there's not a lot of those, you know, moving parts as there are on, uh, you know, combustible engines. But it got to a point to where I remember looking like at the six month mark halfway through the year and going, wow, we have saved somewhere between like, you know, four and five grand just on brakes on those three vehicles that we would have already have paid and and so that line item for me was in was in the green to where usually it's in the red you know what i mean trying to stay afloat so um there's a lot of little things like that that we uh have been so shocked with and impressed with uh, also we saved money in, in, a, in cameras within the vehicle um and and so there's you know sentry mode 
um, has helped us to where that's traditionally we would have a camera in that car. We didn't put those cameras in the car. We're still trying to work the kinks out because there's a lot of uh, non-disclosures and, and issues with tampering with Tesla's uh, built-in software. But we are super excited about um, about utilizing the cameras uh, even more than we are currently. We currently are able to use them um, when the vehicles are not obviously like everyone else, but we also are able to, uh, we have gotten permission through Tesla to run them while we're also driving as well, which has been huge. So we don't have to trigger them with the horn like most people do. And so that's been a huge win for us as well because uh, cameras were a huge expense for us in, internally for the cars. Um, and so that's an expense that we didn't have to add to these vehicles, which would have been about also about another 2000 or so per car. So uh, that's another 6000 we saved as well. Have you had like actively other departments in the city asking you about the vehicles and and are have there been conversations about them switching over and timeline and and all of that kind of stuff yeah absolutely so i remember using the super bowl last year as my as my pitch like hey guys if you saw the super bowl you saw every big automotive company making pledges to go all ev sometime between 2025 and 2030 um, well, it's kind of even gotten more competitive since last year's Super Bowl. And as you saw this year's Super Bowl, it wasn't just the top four. I mean, Hyundai, Kia, everyone is pushing in that space because everyone sees it's coming. And so it was me really pushing last year's Super Bowl narrative. I think a lot of department heads after this year's Super Bowl, they found me. And uh, Amanda Haney is our, our coach department director. And she came and said, you know, I'm getting ready to budget for my cars for, you know, July's budget for the 2022. 2023 budget, should I look at getting an EV? I said, I would highly encourage you to look at one. Um, you know, your vehicles are using different, you know, different than ours are. You may not see a lot of the savings that we are with brakes and cameras and stuff, but just looking at the cost of oil and fuel and looking at uh, a charge right now, you're going to save something right there alone. And so, um, I, I, you know, I told her to look into it and she's actually looking to plan. And so she would be the first one outside of our police department uh, in the city of Berea that would plan to go towards EV. Um, and so, you know, EV prices have gone up a little bit on the MSRP, on the cars. And so she's weighing that right now because our savings, I think, a lot are on the equipment as well and, and the way in which we drive the vehicles. Um, so we are going to see substantially more savings than your, like me, than my police chief's vehicle. That's an admin car that drives to and from work every day. Uh, it may take me a little longer to see those because I would not have had that camera for $2,000 in my car anyway to where the patrolmen do. And so... Um, to be honest with you, we are excited to push this into other spaces. Um, even our utilities director is excited about it. You know, him being in, you know, working in that line of work, he has, he sees the meters and gives me monthly reports and says, man, you guys are rocking it out of the park. He's like, and, and our chargers are not just used by us. Uh, we have our chargers set up that the public can use them for free as well. And we don't charge for the level two. Um, as you are aware, we're looking at a super uh, DC fast charger right now. Um, but, um, and that one would probably would come with a fee structure, but the level twos right now are free. And so, you know, there's often at least once or twice a week, I'll, I'll pull up to go get in the car and see another EV charging, you know, all different makes of models as well. And so, um, we're super excited about this space and where we're going. Um, and, and, and not only that, they're awesome and fun to drive as well. So, uh, there's that component as well. Have other police departments reached out to you? I know, uh, through Evolve KY, we've we had a ride and drive education event last year in London, Kentucky, 
and you all were uh, generous enough to have an officer come out with a police car. And uh, I was really impressed. You know, it, the London police came out and, uh, you know, they had the jackets on with, I guess, London on the, on the back. And, and they were all kind of, you know, walking around the car. And you all can sell the car to other police departments um, like nobody else can because you have firsthand experience, you have experience in, in your specific field, and you speak, you know, honestly, you speak the same language. So, I mean, have other folks actively reached out to you? I know we were uh, at a unveiling of a new charger at Jefferson Memorial Forest. It was a big thing. A number of years in the making uh, to get chargers there at the trailhead. And uh, the mayor, Mayor Fisher, was there. And, and, you know, a handful of people spoke, you know, at at the event. And one thing Mayor Fisher said at the end was, you know, and and we're looking at, you know, EVs for our fleets and, you know, possibly the new Ford Mustang Mach-E for our police department. And that was without prompting. So, um, what has that been like? Uh, you know, has it, um, it, you know, sometimes it's hard being the first, but you also have a bit of a responsibility. Yeah. Um, I, I learned that really quick. Uh, so I'm part of a, I'm a FBI national Academy graduate. Um, and so, uh, the FBI national Academy basically is executive leaders throughout the entire country, um, international as well. And it's your top, you know, 5%. They bring them in, they train you, it's the highest level that you can get in law enforcement, and then you go out and you bring this stuff back to your communities, and you, uh, it's networking, it's partnering, and so, you know, I, me- I remember initially getting out, and, and all of my National Academy uh, graduate friends see on Facebook when we we're posting about it nonstop, and they're, you know, so I quickly learned that I had to put together a, a uh, an information package to share, because I have probably received over like 50 to 60 requests uh, from agencies throughout not just, you know, the West Coast, but the South. And I'm impressed with the the East Coast and the South in general because there's not a lot of infrastructure here and talking about the challenges and stuff. And so I had uh, uh, Boone County, Northern Kentucky has come down. Uh, Currently, I'm working with Lexington uh, as police chief. He's actually one of my mentors, Chief Weathers. He's working on getting a couple in his fleet as well. Uh, They have them in Lexington and other capacities and parking agencies. The city has some buses that are uh, like hybrids and or uh, electric. Um, And so they already have a little more infrastructure in, uh, in Lexington. And so we're working with a lot of individuals right now trying to get them uh, the information, some of the wins and losses that we've had, some of the challenges. And you're right, there is a responsibility being first because, um, you know, I was very lucky. As we, Yeah, we were the first here in Kentucky, but I was also very lucky to have, you know, LAPD friends who had a Tesla. They weren't using it on the patrol level, so that was completely different. They had it more for, you know, marketing and recruitment, you know, purposes. But you know, having the, uh, you know, having an informational package ready that I could send because it was very challenging to talk to every person about the experience. So what I did was, is I did an interview, had every question that I could do. I scribed that into text um, and I've started sitting that with our cost sheet for equipment because a lot of people don't understand that as well. How much does it cost to outfit a car? And I'm like, it costs the same, you know, um, you know, uh, it's not like you need a ton more. I think there was one or two 
maybe less than $100 modules or adapters to get uh, police light to talk to the Tesla or something. But it was very minimal in cost. And so, um, you know, I put all that together, spec sheets, everything, and I share the heck out of it because I remember how difficult it was, the equipment. Can the lights work? How do you do it? Can our outfitter even put lights and sirens on it? And so um, I knew it had been done. And if, if, if one agency can do it, I challenged our outfitters at L&W. And they said, eh, if we can do it, we'll let you know. And so they had them for a couple months. And then and then that's what pushed. We were trying to do it more towards January, February. But that's why we got kind of pushed back to March 1st. But it was actually beautiful. I think it worked out perfectly. And it was it gave us just enough time to get our first EV station up and uh, uh, to charge the cars that we did have. So we're excited about that. Yeah, and, and talking a little bit about, you know, the EV charging, that's how, you know, we... You know, you, you reached out to us uh, at Evolve KY for our adopt a charger program. And honestly, that's one of the things that, I, you know, uh, I try to, in my conversations with folks when we do site visits and stuff, I almost always mention uh, one of the things I'm most proud of. I mean, you know, we have, I think it's 17 level two chargers fee free uh, in the city of Berea, which is just uh, amazing. And you've really taken it as, uh, you know, you've worked with us, you've listened to us, and we've kind of worked all of this stuff out, um, taken it as kind of a holistic approach. I mean, you do have, I think it's something like six um, that are reserved for the police cars uh, at your station, which totally makes sense. But then the other ones that are around town are for community use, but if a police officer is going and doing their rounds and they want to stop somewhere and do some paperwork, you know, like you said before, I mean, it's this is their office, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, they could stop and they can not only do their work, but they can charge up too. And and people are seeing these vehicles in the community, so it's kind of a win-win situation. And uh, you know, again, to kind of to my own horn, you know, very commend you for choosing somebody locally, you know, choosing us. We're a nonprofit. Recently, we had a couple uh, of our board members went out to Berea uh, to talk to, I think it was the Rotary Club or, or Chamber. And they stopped because I, I, I heard about um, chargers going in at the KFC in town. Mm -hmm. And I guess they put in it's like one of these um flag you know like the, one of these kfcs where you know they're they're testing all this new stuff so yes. um they put in two dual chargers so there's four different chargers and they're pay per use yep and I actually called up because when I first heard about this, I called up because I was curious and I spoke to the person that answered the phone and I had to repeat my question to her twice because she didn't expect me to ask a question about electric vehicle chargers. Uh, it was probably more about their hours or chicken, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but um, I repeated my question and I said, you know, I'm just curious, you know, you have electric vehicle chargers in your parking lot? She says, yes, we do. And I said, oh, are, are they free to use? And she goes, no, they're not free to use. They're, you know, you have to pay to use them. And without any prompting from me, she said, and I've never seen anybody charging there. <laughs> and so that's something that us EV owners, it's almost like insider information that we're absolutely happy to disseminate to people, um, know that people that don't drive EVs just don't know is that typically 
people are not paying for level two charging because mm -hmm. they're able to charge at home. Mm -hmm. um, we are making these chargers available as destination charging. Um, this was actually separate from you all, but the Berea College of Forestry reached out to us and we did a site visit the same day we went to your uh, big unveiling. And the two things I thought were related and they weren't related, which was mind blowing, it was one of those things. And we went out there and we got a dual charger there that was actually donated from Adopt-A-Charger in someone's memory uh, to be put up uh, at that spot, at the trailhead there. And, uh, you know, it's it's just wonderful to kind of see, and I, I think the, the head of the um, College of Forestry building said to me when we were just kind of casually talking, you know, it'd be great if Berea was known for, you know, electric vehicles and cleaner transportation and it's something that they could be really proud of and with you know 17 actually over 20 chargers in the community um that's pretty remarkable uh I, and i have you seen that it's led because it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing have you just kind of subjectively have you noticed that maybe there's more evs driving around be, because of it possibly Absolutely. Um, when I first came here to Berea, there were almost no EVs that I could notice. Maybe a couple of the Chevy Volts because they've been out so long. Um, definitely no Teslas or, or any of the newer manufacturers. But I can tell you that it was it was quite nice when I remember um, um, Apt Harvest came here to town. And uh, when their business came here, one of their higher-ups, I'm not sure uh, of his name, but he was driving a, um, a Tesla. And then uh, the highway safety transportation, uh, Jim Gray, the uh, last mayor in, in Lexington, he's now the transportation secretary for the state, he actually was driving a, a Tesla as well. And so he goes, you know why I was going to come here and I was going to ride with my, uh, my secretary, but he goes, I drove my car because I know you guys got AV stations down here, and I thought that'd be really cool to come down here and support. And so it's kind of spreading um, um, the notion that we do have these charging stations. Not only are we putting as many as we can on PlugShare, but also we're starting to realize that um, it is something that's very unique to Berea. Berea is very into arts and crafts and outdoor life and 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 being you know um, responsible. Even the city alone, and the top ha the top roofs of all of our buildings have solar panels. Um, they bought into solar a long time ago, partnering with the college. Um, so they've been into clean energy. This is just the next phase that we're going. And, and just like the forestry director, I agree. I think that it would be really neat to turn this into kind of the mecca of, of EV. Um, it's funny you said KFC. I, uh, I, I called when they first were coming in. I met with one of the general managers, like the, uh, the grounds guy uh, working. And he explained to me how this was going to be a different, unique experience with KFC. And I joked at them about, hey, well, you guys need to make sure our guys can eat chicken and charge at the same time, like jokingly. And he's like, you know, that's actually in our model, but we weren't sure if we were getting them here in Berea. We just know that that's a possibility. He goes, I'll see what I can do. And so I, I, I remember he texts me and he goes, you know, you, you, you and I were joking about this. He goes, but, you know, I mentioned it, that you guys have so many uh, uh, police vehicles and that this. And they said that, yeah, let's go ahead and push that out. And I thought that was really neat because I think as other businesses start to see it as well, they'll start to look at that as, as a possible model. Um, and, and so we're excited. I know it brings people in. I know you yourself personally have come down 
down here maybe to Berea a little more um, to hike and do other things. Uh, Berea, Kentucky has the number one visited mountain in the state of Kentucky in the Pinnacles. And a lot of people don't know that. And so there's a lot of EV chargers throughout the state and a lot of EV owners but I'm hoping to bring those individuals here so that they can charge and, and, and then you know, go out in the community and enjoy, you know, uh, some of the things Berea has to offer. Now, um, I know when we spoke last time, and it's always good to have goals, and you're one of the most motivated people <laughs> that I know, which is wonderful. Um, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mention this. I think you mentioned, oh, I, I think we're going to have 10 EVs, you know, within the year you know obviously you don't have 10 um but i mean what do you think i mean now that you've saved i mean twenty four thousand dollars just on fuel you know and then maintenance stuff on top of that uh i can't help but think that that's a real selling feature um what does it look like the next you know two to five years as far as transitioning your fleet um to electric so um, our, our goals are to have 50% of our fleet uh, over five years. And so um, we, we're roughly a 40-man department. Um, and so we're, we're looking to get at least, let's say, you know, 15 to 20 cars, because I'm thinking a patrol level, uh, the guy, guys and gals that are actually on the road driving around. So we're trying to get the patrol level, if we can, to about 80% uh, EV. Um, and, and I think if we can do so... I think that it's going to help us. The only hiccups we've had, there's two things. One, the increases in, in EV costs for vehicles, but every vehicle is up right now. So we're, we're, we're trying to wait the uh, inflation. Um, there were challenges initially with um, the rollout with, um, you know, uh, expectations uh, throughout the town and community. I know the mayor was super pushing it at first, and then he kind of slowed down. And so um, because it's an election year for him. So, they, you know, they have to think about all that stuff and the political nature of, you know, do I really want to push this? How kind of, you know, so it becomes political at some point. And then the last thing that was uh, specifically a challenge for us was not just the notion of, of the expectations, but it was our infrastructure. And so I kind of slowed down myself and said, until we can get a supercharger, not saying that we can't operate now, we're able to operate now, but I only have three at the patrol level. I'm trying to do the math of, okay, so if I have like two to three per shift, how do I make that work? And what does that look like? Um, And then we also ran into some challenges with They were more specific to Tesla, but the cage for the car that you would put a prisoner behind, um, they discontinued manufacturing that one because the Model Y came out. And then uh, Centina, who was our big manufacturer of cages, decided, you know what, the Model Y is going to be a better vehicle for a cage, and it gives them, it's a little easier for them to design and make. So they completely pulled the Model 3 and went with the Model Y. So they have a fully outfitted push guards, light sirens, everything that you need for a patrol car for the Model Y. And so those were some of the challenges that we had. So I kind of pumped the brakes myself with the new news of, you know, the F-150, the, the mock. Uh, so there's a lot more options. And so we're trying to make certain that the next purchase of an EV can be fully, completely outfitted as a police car. Um, but I think we're going to find that that's going to be possible now that they have 
every manufacturer is really pushing in that space. So the companies, these police companies that do the outfitting, they're now starting to think we need to transition ourselves as well to meet the needs of these new vehicles because they're in the business of making money as well. And so um, those are some of the challenges. But our goal is 50% of our fleet. Um, uh, I'm still holding true to that 10 to 15 number. Um, I just had to change it from maybe year one or two to year five. And to be honest with you, uh, March 1st was our launch last year. It's March 2nd of 22. So I think a lot of the community as well is waiting. And I'm going to put that out in the next week or two. Uh, We're finalizing budget year, so I've been tied up with that. But I'm putting, I'm doing it now. Uh, This is my life. Numbers everywhere, right? So uh, (laughs) I'm putting these numbers out now. And I think that's when I'm going to get the biggest push that I need for July when I get ready to order the next batch of cars. I think that's where they're going to say, you know what? He gave us one year data. Um... It, they are worth what we think they are, even at the new increases of vehicles, because they're all going up. You know, I think even our Dodge Chargers and Explorers went up about eight or nine grand from last year's calls. And EVs are the same. Everything had to go up to uh, to compensate for the current market and inflation. So uh, we're hopeful, but I'm still holding true to that. I just had to make it a five year goal versus a, a one to three right. kind of deal. So uh, but we're getting there. And how, you know, as far as performance, um, has it been the same? I mean, can you give me any specific stories of, you know, uh, an officer in a situation that the Tesla, you know, did something over what, the say, the Dodge, Dodge Challenger would have done? Just um, something like that. I, I, you know, you have a, a year yeah. of, of uh, experiences. So there's, there's multiple instances, uh, uh, things that we didn't think about, like the acceleration. Uh, it scares me, it scares the heck out of me in town, right? But we have 75 that runs right through the center of Berea. And so Highway 75, you know, collisions, ice storms, uh, uh, regular wrecks, our guys are on the interstate all the time and, you know, getting, being able to go from a stopped position, you know, from helping a vehicle that's been in a collision and or from a traffic stop or whatever to getting back to the speed of traffic. Like that's been amazing. You know, um, uh, we, we were losing a lot of tires, guys flying down the emergency lane, uh, because to pick up speed, uh, to get back on to highway 75, you know, from an incident and, uh, that's kind of gone away. Um, also, um, our drug guys are, are, uh, that do investigators with drug work, um, at night they have been using the EV to go into certain communities. And I, I remember specifically on body camera, this guy going, I didn't even hear y'all coming. And the guy goes, cause we got a, we have electric vehicles, you know, joking about it with our drug guy. And so there's like little things like that, that we would have never thought you know, how quiet they are and to use them in investigative work um, uh, to creep up on a house in town that was selling drugs. Uh, it was amazing. And then also, you know, use on the interstate. Uh, maintenance on them have, has been amazing. Um, the technology built within it, the safety alerts, that to me has been, from my standpoint, because I'm not out on patrol making stops and doing that stuff, but just driving and uh, the alerts that it gives me, the lane, uh, keeping me in my lane, uh, it's just amazing those vehicles and the amount of technology that's built into them. 
um, that it, it's, it's saved us. Our, I don't know if I can correlate this to that, but our collisions have gone down this year as well uh, over the course of the last year, which has helped my vehicle repair and maintenance costs. So um, it's all, I believe, tied into the overall goal of just trying to move toward uh, you know, better responsible fiscal responsibility. But I think EVs are to say, I, I would say they have contributed a lot to that and, and things getting better here for us. Yeah, and I mean... Um... I guess to kind of maybe shift gears a little bit here, um, you know, I, I just want to pay you a compliment because, uh, you know, I, I've seen your work and and the kinds of things and that you're thinking about and the kinds of things you all are doing. And again, I, I kind of go back to like this holistic approach and very thoughtful approach about um, how you serve the community. And one of the things that, that caught my attention this past year is you have a new officer, um, a fuzzy officer. You have a, a new dog that, that you guys got as a puppy. Yes. Um, and it's not like a German Shepherd puppy that's going to be tearing somebody to pieces uh, either. No. <laughs> you know, it, it's quite the opposite. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what's the, the dog's name? So Canine Buddy. Uh, it's funny. Canine Buddy. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we, we decided I, I come from Lexington where we had a ton of resources and we had it's the bigger, you know, bigger city. Um, we had all kinds of resources. And when I came and took over this job, I started to notice that there were challenges in the way we were perceived. It was, um, you know, very aggressive police. And then we went through 2020, 2021, very challenging year with things like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Um, and those things were on the East Coast. Breonna Taylor was right here in our state. There were a lot of per, uh, per, perception issues with law enforcement. And so, you know, uh, me being 36 years old, I say, how can I work to combat some of the challenges? Because I know who these officers are and, and I have not met these officers and or worked with them. One, because I wouldn't allow it as a leader. Um, um, but two, uh, who are these officers that are, are completely uh, making it more challenging for us throughout the state? Like, who are these one percenters that are that are leading the narratives on, on national media, you know, throughout the year? Um, and all it takes is one or two bad incidences to to kind of smear um, the hard work that we do day in and day day out. And so I, I started to look at perception and I will never forget it. I was uh, working a protest on abortions back in Lexington, completely different topic. But I was on the ground as an officer. We're out there and, you know, every year there was this big protest, uh, you know, whether you're for it or against it, everyone's yelling, blah, blah, blah. Well, I remember vividly watching one year is this lady who had a, uh, a service dog. She's just walking, going to class on UK's campus, had nothing to do with the protest. She wasn't there for just walking around it. And I remember the dog, she accidentally drops the leash and he kind of goes two or three feet towards this crowd. And this other lady on one side of the protest grabs the dog's leash. And then the other lady on the other side of the protest comes over and starts petting the dog. And then I remember just watching as the lady was like, I'm so sorry, he's still in training. You know, he should not have walked off or whatever. But all the commotion from the shouting and stuff, maybe he was interested. And it was a German, it was a, it was a uh, uh, yellow lab. And I would never forget, the, we had been out there for seven hours trying to defuse this crowd. And this dog walked in between two uh, screaming crowds and completely stole the show. And for 12 minutes, everyone stopped. And everyone talked, oh, the dog, it was so cute. And I got to thinking, 
how how can I do that? Like we all, as law enforcement officers, I wish I had uh, a dog that I could deploy out to every guy every day. Here's your little dog. Use him. You go in on a domestic, send him in there. It'll make, you know, husband, wife fighting, send him in there. You got a, a child that's upset, send him in there. Um, and so I started to think about it. I said, how can I utilize that in law enforcement? And so um, we found out that this is not a new topic. There are therapy dogs being used in agencies and, you know, all throughout, you know, uh, the United States, but not as much here in Kentucky. And so uh, I researched a program up in North Carolina that would train um, our dog. He's actually currently in training right now this week. He just went to his first obedience training. Um, and then once he graduates this, he goes to his therapy dog training. But Canine Buddy is a golden doodle. Uh, I have a toy poodle myself, so I was like, how can I get the most hyperallergenic, you know, nicest, fun-loving dog they are to uh, to work with us in a police department? Because all of our other dogs are German Shepherds or Malinois. They're very aggressive, very, um, you know, they have that police presence because they're used for drug or apprehension or bombs. Like, they have specific missions. Well, we wanted to go completely different. So Canine Buddy came, and uh, we had a local breeder here that we bought here in Berea and brought them from, and we brought them on board, and untrained, just loving, licking everybody, running around crazy in the building, but morale has skyrocketed. Uh, every department here in the city, um, the, the canine handler, uh, uh, Officer Rothermel, takes them to the schools, to the hospitals, um, even our own agencies here, and they love, they love them. And so it has been a big push for us to try to, one, work on our image. Uh, we launched uh, Beneath the Badge uh project as well, where we talk about who we are when we're not in the uniform. We're not just an officer. We're fathers. We're mothers. We're, uh, we're brothers, sisters. We're coaches. Uh, we fish. We hunt. We love sports. We're just like everyone else. Uh, EV enthusiasts, you know, that's who we are. And so we're trying to change the perception uh, before we have problems. I think a lot of agencies wait for that bad incident to start working on perception, like Louisville's doing a lot of stuff now. Not saying they weren't before. I don't know the details of their agency, but I don't want something like a Breonna Taylor to happen here in the community to ever question our character as an agency. I want them to focus on that as an isolated incident and that either the, the officer made a mistake and or uh, the perpetrator, the officer, had to act to do a certain thing. But I don't want that to be like, well, the Berea Police Department as a whole is this or that. So we're busting our butts now to tell them who we are, what we are, uh, how we're training, what our goals are, so that we can try to get it in front of, because I think that I'm looking to project out, like the EV, I'm working five, 10 years in advance, not necessarily uh, reciprocal, which is what most officers are doing, they're reacting, they're waiting on stuff to happen, and then they react. I'm trying to do the best I can to get in front of that, Um, and and we're hoping that it's going to continue to be successful. So far, it's been great. We've had a a good run since I came here in 19, and uh, I'm very uh, grateful for the team I have. That's great. That's great. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I've just been um, so impressed with, like, the whole picture and um, how open you are to to all of this stuff, and, and it really comes down to how best to serve the community, which is what it should come down to. So, Amen. Yeah. Um, this has been great. I mean, is there anything else that you, you wanted to talk about or that I haven't touched on? Or Really? Uh, not really. I, I would love for you to invite me on for more, more of these talks as we can continue this EV journey. Uh, you know, you and I probably talk at least every week or every other week about something EV related, which is great. Continue to send me the stuff that you do about things happening in and around the area. And I'll also do the same. Um, and, and, 
Lastly, I would encourage anyone that's listening to, to go to Facebook and follow us at the Brewer Police Department um, backslash Facebook. Uh, follow our Facebook page. Uh, we have a lot going on there, and that's how we kind of communicate and tell our story of who we are and what we do. Um, and so I would love for you guys to, to help us grow that platform, but also, you know, see some of the things like K9 Buddy. We're trying to do a lot of things here in Berea, uh, more than just EVs. I, I think that I'm a visionary and I have a lot of creative ideas. It's just me trying to convince people to kind of follow me when I'm doing crazy things. But um, I think it's different. You know, we're moving into a new time in, in law enforcement, and I want to make sure that I'm on the forefront of what that looks like, not necessarily. Uh, I'm just trying to change the image. Like, we're we're not... Um, we're not, we're, we're cop, all cops aren't bad. We're, we're just like any other profession. You're not going to have, you know, a pastor that could be bad or, or you can have a, a doctor that makes mistakes. Everyone, everyone in every career field. And I just don't want, I want to change the narrative, at least for my team in my city, um, and kind of set an example for the next, you know, 10, 20 years of what we should be doing as public servants. And as you said, that's our ultimate goal. We're here to serve our, our people and, and our community and all people. And so thank you for bringing me on again. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I appreciate everything that you and, and your Evolve KY team does for our community because we, we appreciate it. I want to double the amount of charges we got here, and we're going to continue to work to do so. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, thank you again. It's, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, and share, as that's the only way we can continue to grow. Now you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash EVU. Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.